You're listening to the Growth Experts Podcast. So if you're looking to 10X your business by learning proven growth strategies, you're in the right place. During my interviews with top CEOs, entrepreneurs, and marketers, I dig deep to uncover the real strategies, hacks, and tools to help you achieve your goals. And I'm your host, Dennis Brown. Hey, everybody. If you're interested in learning how to leverage LinkedIn for your business, this episode is sponsored by my book, The Seven Habits of Highly Successful LinkedIn Users. To get your free copy, just send a text to 44222 with the word seven habits. That's the number seven habits to 44222. Now let's get on with the show. Hey, welcome back, everybody. And today we have yet another amazing guest. Today's guest is Anand Kishore. He's the CEO and co-founder of Aspire IQ. At Aspire IQ, Anand plays an instrumental role in helping enterprise brands transform their business by the power of brand communities. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the power and importance of community and how it can play a huge role in the growth and the future of your business. So welcome to the show, Anand. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you. You're in San Francisco, right? I am, yep. And as we speak, I don't know when this is going to go live, but as we speak, we're mid-quarantine or hopefully towards the end of quarantine. And, you know, I know we talked a little bit about the mood there. Everybody's anxious to get out. The weather's starting to get nice. So hopefully by the time this thing airs, everybody's free, right? Everybody's free to do their thing. But do us a huge favor and let us know. Give us a quick backstory. Tell us, you know, kind of why and how, you know, you got to this point with Aspire IQ and, you know, fill in the blanks for us. Take a minute or two and we'll go from there. Yeah. So my background is a little unusual in this space. I actually started at Goldman originally and then moved to a hedge fund here in the city back in 2009. Ended up, was lucky enough to invest in Facebook and Palantir in the secondary markets back in 2009, 2010, and got a little bit of the startup. So realized I wanted to start my own business. Left the fund in 2012 to pursue something more entrepreneurial. Was really, you know, kind of discovered this opportunity by chance. Saw at that time, a lot of companies like Birchbox and Stitch Fix and Ipsy doing really well, tapping into the power of influencers and driving a lot of growth and felt like there was an opportunity there where there were some key secular trends that were happening from a media perspective where creators were getting more of a voice and gaining more of an online presence and, having, and, and getting more power and brands were really finding a lot of value in that. So it felt like there was an opportunity to start a platform to help power that marketplace. So what year did you start? The Aspire IQ. Yeah, the idea started to percolate in 2012. It's the actual official birth date of the company has actually just passed May 13th, 2013. 2013. And have you raised any capital to this point? Have you bootstrapped it? What does that look like? Yeah, so we've raised 22.1 million so far in venture funding from a mix of Bay Area VCs and family offices. Awesome. And so now with everything that's going on with Corona, were you in the middle of funding? Had you just completed some funding? Do you have some future funding that you expect to be needed? I mean, how do you, how do your, what are you thinking now based upon how the markets have changed? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I think maybe this is a function of my background in finance and my co-founder, one of my co-founders backgrounds in finance as well, but we've always run the business really in a very disciplined way. So even though we're in, in, in the Valley, I think we've taken a slightly different approach and always focused on having our destiny in our own hands. So you know, we were fortunate to not really require any capital and we're, we're continuing to be in that place. I'd say Corona has been an interesting, you know, thing for us in the sense that the boom in e-commerce is obviously a huge tailwind for us. 
as you know, brands come online much more aggressively and consumers are spending a lot more time online as well. So in many ways, you know, it's been interesting to see. Awesome. Perfect. All right. Well, listen, let me dive a little bit into Aspire IQ. Give us a 60 second infomercial on exactly what you provide for your clients. Yeah. So Aspire was started really with this idea that there are a lot of people that matter to you as a business and there needs to be a system to help power those high value relationships. These community members have an opportunity to really drive outsized value for you as a company, whether you're a B2C company or a B2B company. And so really focusing in on providing a solution to nurture these relationships and engage these relationships in a holistic, more human way is the root of the problem that we're trying to address. And so do you do that through, you know, is it like more of a a SaaS product? Is it more, you know, service-based? What does that look like? Yeah, we're a technology company. So we've been focused on SaaS tooling for from day one. So we're a SaaS company. We do have services as many software companies do as part of our offering to help customers really get onboarded and ensure that they're successful in, in building and nurturing these communities. But we are at our core a SaaS company. All right. Can you give me a sense? Can you give the audience a sense of size or scale, whether it be employees or revenue, range of revenue, percentage growth, something so that they can get a sense. I mean, the company's been around for going on seven years here, about seven years. So give us a sense as to where you are today. Yeah, we're uh, just about at 100 people. You know, we're not disclosing revenues publicly, but you know, growth rates have been really strong. We've been in a booming industry, no doubt. And so have seen you know, real traction north of 100% growth rates year over year for a while now. So things have been good. And it's a subscription model. Is your audience is more enterprise typically, or is it small businesses? I mean, I would assume more enterprise. Yeah, definitely more enterprise. We've had a, you know, it's funny when you're building SaaS, I think one of the key learnings early days is that you want to start the SMB market so you can iterate and get feedback. So that's what we did. We started out as an SMB solution actually. And then over the course of the last, I'd say five years, we've really made a much more concerted effort to move up market to the enterprise. I'd say today our mix is predominantly enterprise and mid-market uh, companies. So anywhere, you know, anyone from Dyson, Samsung to, you know, the Glossiers or HelloFreshes of the world as well. So kind of a, across the spectrum in the B2C world. Perfect. All right. Well, listen, let me ask you this. I want to dive a little bit into you personally. So here's an interesting question, you know, and hopefully you can, you know, you can knock this one out of the park. So if you had to pick any business superpower that you wish you had, something maybe somebody else has, you know, maybe they're a great public speaker, maybe they're a great writer, maybe they're very analytical or a developer or whatever the case may be, what would that skill be if you could pick that number one business superpower? Yeah, that's a great question. I don't know if this is a business superpower, but I think it's a skill that, you know, you can never get good enough at or you can never be too competent at. I think, you know, being able to really consolidate complex ideas in in written format is such a powerful toolkit for anybody. And it just is such a driver for alignment and, you know, organization across the company. So internally and externally. So I think it's something that, I don't know if if you ever get to superpower status on that, but I think it's something that I I hope that I'm constantly improving on day day by day for as long as I can. Yeah. You know, when somebody is really good at it, when you read their stuff, right? Yeah. Very complex ideas. They're able to bring it down into something that's just very palatable, easy to consume, and easy to understand. Yeah, I think it's one of those things. Yes, it's one of those things. Where writing is you can be a writer, but to be a great writer is very different. And I think there's that's a big, you know, the last 10% or 20% is a huge hill to climb. So, yeah, for sure. 
Awesome. And that's why I picked podcasting because I don't have to write. So here we are. I have the face for radio. So, all right. So listen, let's dive in here. We're going to talk about this whole concept that the future of marketing is based on community. We're going to talk about that. That's kind of the fundamental outline of what we're going to cover today. So why don't you help us unpack that a little bit? Tell us what you mean by community or what that means to you, and then let's flow right through it. Yeah, I think at a high-level community is obviously a very broadly used word. It, it applies in every aspect of business. But the way we think about it is really, you know, community is at its core a set of relationships that you really care about and that you want to invest in. And, and hopefully are people that are aligned around a shared purpose, a shared set of values that also share some sort of mutual connection with each other. I think the importance of community in today's world is really coming to the forefront of across every industry, whether it's B2B or B2C in the sense that all business at the end of the day is rooted in relationships. You know, the more authentic, the more connected you are with your customers, with your partners, with your vendors, you know, affiliates, whoever that matters to you, the more successful your company is going to be. So I think really kind of grounding in that idea that, you know, the, the most important thing in business is the, are, are the relationships that you hold and treating those relationships as being part of a community and, and investing it in that way. I'd say the, the second kind of major component of this. So before is, we go forward, before we oh, yeah. go forward, I sorry to interrupt, but I wanted to just clarify. If you had to pick out, I want you to give me two examples that you think exemplify doing an, a fantastic job at community. One in B2C and then one in B2B. Give me who you would choose as the as top performers in that in those different sectors. Yeah, great question. I think uh, the clear example in, there are a few, but I think one of the clear examples in the B2C world is a company called Glossier. So they're a uh, women's cosmetics company that has exploded onto the scene over the last six years. Really, they've rooted their entire business on this idea of community. They would argue that they are a community company first, a belonging company first, that happens to sell cosmetics on the back end of that, really focusing in on creating that shared sense of purpose and, and connection with their customers and their partners and everybody else. You know, they've, they've done an incredible job really investing in their community where they seek product feedback. They ask for content from their community. They have a variety of different personas in their community, from customers to affiliates to content creators, influencers, celebrities, investors, employees. There's so many different personas that they interact with. They also have retail locations, so they're retail partners. Looking at all of those relationships, understanding what each relationship means to them and, and what they need to do to nurture that relationship, what are the programs and engagement models that they need to take uh, to implement to nurture those relationships, I think is something that they've been very methodical and thoughtful about from the earliest days of their business. And it's paid off in the context of really providing them a solid foundation of growth in the consumer market. In the B2B world, I'll give an example that I'm sure everybody's familiar with. You know, I think Salesforce has done a phenomenal job of building community. I think they are the leader in, in B2B communities without any question. The entire Trailblazer program that they have is all about creating community and really looking at their customers and their entire ecosystem as people that they want to invest in. They want to help those folks grow their careers, whether they be developers or they be you know, implementation managers, whoever, consultants, really looking at all of these individual personas as real people that they want to nurture and, and build up as part of their business. So I think you know, that's been a huge, in Benioff's book, Behind the Cloud, he talks about the power of building these relationships and building these communities. And I, I, you know, I, think, I don't think it's controversial to say that their community has probably one of the, been one of the biggest differentiators for them as a company over the last decade. Perfect. 
All right. Well, listen, move forward, walk through this process of explaining why community is the future and how maybe some of the audience could start implementing some of these ideas for their own business. Yeah, I think this might be controversial to say on a, on a marketing podcast, but I think one of our core beliefs is that marketers really need to step outside of the funnel. Everything in marketing is centered around this idea of driving people down a funnel and getting to an endpoint of conversion. Even in sales, I think it's all about pipeline management, right? You're driving towards a closed one, closed loss state. I think it's a very, tra- it, you know, the problem with those frameworks is I think they work in certain contexts, but I think they're very transactional and they treat the, you know, party on the other end of it as a, as a transaction fundamentally versus as a person. So I think, you know, our view is that we need to step out of the funnel and think more in the context of the virtuous cycle. So these relationships that you have with your community should be evergreen. They should never end in, in theory. There shouldn't be a closed one, closed loss state. There shouldn't be a, you know, bottom of funnel conversion and then we're done kind of transaction. The goal should be that the relationship is constant. The relationship is evergreen. And what we're trying to do as a company is, or as a business is to nurture those relationships and engage them so that they feel like they're a part of your business and they feel like they're a part of your community. They want to do more for you as well. I'd say that the second piece of this is really looking at, I think the first step oftentimes when you're thinking about community is really understanding who your high value relationships are. Who are the people that are really driving value for you as a company? Almost every company on the planet should have these relationships, whether they are VIP customers, they are referral partners, they are vendors, you know, distributors, even your own employees, right? Anyone that has a huge impact on your business should be part of your community. And I think first mapping that out, understanding who those personas are, identifying them, and then thinking through what are the engagement models for each of those different personas that would drive the most impact and really make those people feel engaged and feel like they are part of your business. So whether that's asking them for things where they feel more involved and they feel like they have a say, so product feedback, content creation, thought leadership, or it's asking them to do things. You know, Once you've got them in your community, empowering them to go take action on your behalf and become an advocate or you know, become a partner to you, I think is, is something that we see to be really important. Yeah. What I like about that, Anand, is that it's, it's very intentional, right? I think a lot of us take for granted the relationships that are not six inches in front of our face, right? Like you said, that are part of that sales pipeline or part of that immediate funnel. And it's easy to put on blinders. And sometimes, you know, companies even promote putting on blinders and just staying very focused on this one channel or this one, you know, source of leads or source of customers and not thinking about it in a more holistic approach. Like you said, there's a lot of stakeholders. I mean, there's investors, there's employees, there's customers, there's, there's influencers, there's resellers, there's, man, there's trusted referral. There's any number of different stakeholders and people that could be a part of that community and, and can really push that initiative forward. So I, liked, I really like the holistic approach. And I think starting with an overall view of who those high value relationships is really a, just a, not that complicated. You know, you could do it back a napkin. And then at that point, you know, now you got to get a little bit deeper and start thinking about what drives engagement. Before we hit record, you know, you had a really, you had a really interesting example of how you had an experience in the B2B space where a company had done an event. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think that really, really points out the power of bringing these different stakeholders together and how it can impact. Yeah, it's a really simple idea. But you know, when I, as a person who's experiencing it as a prospect for this vendor, it was a financial services uh, technology company that was trying to sell us. 
their solution. And they hosted a customer appreciation event towards the end of last year where they, it was actually hosted by their salesperson and they called it a customer appreciation event, but only 40% of the attendees were customers. The remaining 60% were prospects. So I had a chance to talk to the rep who brought it together and it was a good size event. It was about 50, 60 people. And, you know, she had laid out the whole plan. It was brilliant. It was really just this idea of bringing people together so that her customers could do the work for her of acting as a, another touch point for me as a prospect to have a conversation with a company at a similar stage to understand their journey and why they made the buying decision. So intentionally, she, you know, chatted me up over the course of the happy hour and then was very intentional to bring me to a customer that she had identified as a good pair for me and introduced us and had us talk. And, it, you know, we didn't end up buying for other reasons, but it was a super, super compelling, you know, value prop because I immediately understood why this was important for me. And it didn't come from her. It came from, from somebody else who really was a big user and champion of their product. So I think it's this idea of, you know, a community is such a powerful thing and it's, it can be somewhat nebulous, but really what it is, is, is just treating relationships the way you would want to be treated, right? It's looking at it more less just trying to sell somebody something, but more trying to educate them and, and help them find value in, in what you're doing. Yeah, I think that bodes really well to that whole concept of thinking outside the funnel, because that's not something you would typically think of as, as a funnel. But the level of engagement that you can, that your prospects can get during a conversation there could literally save you months potentially in the overall typical sales cycle because of the feeling that they walk away from, you know, after having an opportunity face to face or virtually in that case, have a conversation with a customer that's actually happy with what you're providing them, right? So, I mean, that social proof is invaluable and an event like that is really powerful because now you have everybody together and it's a, a great dynamic and you can, it's a great message and a great way to engage both sides of the equation. Yeah, I think it's, it's really just looking at a relationship as more than just a two-dimensional thing. It's really looking at it more holistically and saying, you know, obviously the customers were really excited to be there because they were being appreciated, but in actuality, you were kind of putting them to work and it was really effective. Yeah, I love the, the whole concept of relationships over transactions. That has come out of my mouth. That exact, those exact words have come out of my mouth a hundred times in the last 12 months. And so it really resonates with me because, you know, having worked and had my own businesses on both sides of the equation where it was very transactional and on the other side of the equation where it has been more relationship-based now after 25 years of doing it right and wrong, I see the value. So that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the show today. So I think it's so important. All right, I won't interrupt. Continue. You talked about identifying the high value relationships. You talk about figuring out how to engage those different types of relationships. Where do we go from here? Yeah, I think probably the the, the next piece, maybe one one last kind of overarching thing here. You, you mentioned this earlier, which was um, it's especially as a business owner or uh, you know in marketing or sales, the focus tends to be on what's six feet or six inches in front of you, and I think that tends to be you know very true kind of across any industry. I think one thing I want to caveat is oftentimes community can sound very nebulous and very fluffy. And what we're talking about here is not actually fluffy at all. It's, uh, it's actually just saying that, you, you know, as long as you have the ability to track performance on the back end, so you have the infrastructure to be able to track, you know, what, what is happening, you know, what are, what are your funnels generating? What are your pipelines generating? You know, all of the relationship building that you're doing on the front end of this will improve all of those conversion rates and improve the actual performance of all of this. One example of that, just coming back to, you know, real world examples, you know, in the case of, you know, 
consumer brands, one of the data points that we've seen is the more a brand engages with their community, the more they ask them to do, the more feedback they ask for. Oftentimes what ends up happening is you'll find the LTV of that customer actually increase over time. Even though you've asked them to do work, they've actually now, they actually feel more a part of your business and they're more invested in it. And so they're actually much more likely to buy more from you and then potentially even refer more from you. And I think one of the topics that we talk about a little bit internally is this idea of a new LTV. So it's not just how much is your customer or your community member transacting with you. It's how much are they influencing down further down the funnel? How much are they, you know, how much value are they creating in terms of content or advocacy or product feedback? So looking at it again in a more three-dimensional perspective, from a more three-dimensional perspective to understand the true LTV of these relationships is, is I think, really important. Perfect. Anything else you want to add before we move forward? No, I think, uh, I think that covers it. Perfect. All right. Well, listen, let me ask you a couple of rapid fire questions and then we'll wrap it up for today. One is other than your set of tools, Aspire IQ, right? What would be a software app, some sort of a tool that you use that's instrumental in growing your business? You know, I think um, this one's actually relatively easy. I, I feel like I've been using it a lot recently. Uh, there's a company called Gong.io. They are a revenue intelligence platform. Um, it's something that we, we look to a lot for inspiration around, but it's such a powerful tool in terms of giving the company visibility in terms of what's going on across different conversations in the business. So, you know, the, the other day I had a really interesting call with an enterprise customer and before I knew it, our entire sales team had heard the call and were, were already digesting takeaways and tagging, you know, questions and sharing feedback. And it was, you know, such a powerful moment of realization for me where I was like, wow, that kind of speed and efficiency that that brings just by making things transparent is unparalleled. So I think, you know, that's a company that I think has just done an incredible job and is, is, a, is, a, is a solution that has really changed the way we, we operate as a company. Love it. And what would be one book that you would recommend? Maybe something that you've read or maybe you think would help, you know, the audience along in their journey? From a business perspective or from a life perspective? Yes. <laughs> Whichever you choose. So I think from a life perspective, there's a great book called The Untethered Soul. It's all, it's, it kind of brings Zen Buddhism to the West in a, in a very practical and pragmatic way, which is not easy to do. And I think uh, it does a phenomenal job of it. From a business perspective, there's a phenomenal book called Seven Powers that talks about the seven powers of you know, what business models and how to think about competitive advantages and, and moats and uh, defensibility that I think is just an incredible deep dive strategy overview on how to think about running a company. Love it. Well, listen, let us know how they can connect with you, learn more about your company, and then we'll wrap it up for today. Um, yeah, so uh, connect with me on uh, LinkedIn or uh, Anand Kishore, or feel free to check us out on the web at uh, aspireiq.com slash growth-experts if, uh, if, you're, if you're coming to that site. Perfect. Listen, guys, really appreciate you being here, Anand. For those of you, I'll make sure I put the, the, those links in the show notes so you guys can definitely check out the site and connect with Anand. And I really appreciate you being here. Have an awesome day, and I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Awesome. Thanks, Dennis. Listeners, I want to thank you for tuning in. I truly appreciate your time. If you're enjoying the podcast, then do me a huge favor. Click the subscribe button now and please leave me a review. It would mean a lot to me.